and welcome to the Weekend Rental Podcast, episode number six, where we discuss movies, games, all things geek, and generally just whatever else comes to mind. I'm Ryan, and joining me today we have Andy. Hey, how's it going? And Justin. Hey, everyone. All right, fellas, what have you been uh, playing lately? What have you been watching? What's going on? Uh, the past couple months, I've been playing uh, here and there some near Automata, and finally finished my first playthrough and boy that game is something else it um it's very weird it kind of like goes in between different genres of games a little bit you'll kind of do a dual stick shooter for a while and then it kind of turns i mean the majority of the game is probably like an action like a bayonetta or a uh devil may cry style action game but yeah it's 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 pretty crazy have you guys heard anything about that game yeah, I heard like isn't like the the opening segment right is not reminiscent of the full game. It's like you start out as like a top down vertical scrolling shooter or something to like start it off. Is that right? Yeah, yep, it does do that. Um, then it it plays a lot of tricks on like moving the camera around. So a lot of times you'll turn into side scroll. Sometimes it'll turn into like top down. But for the most part, it's it's like a three D action. Sure. Open world. Because who makes that again? It's like is it platinum? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. So the same people behind Bayonetta and all amazing. Oh, true. Yep. Amazing hack. And yeah, stuff. I, ne- I never even put those together. Um, it, it is kind of weird. Like a lot of the enemies in that game, like shoot big red balls at you in patterns that are like very reminiscent of like a shoot 'em up, like a bullet hell shooter. <laughs> That's kind of so, cool. Like a lot of yeah, a lot of the games are like some of the bullets you can like deflect, and then some of them are you just have to get out of the way of. So it's almost like an Ikaruga sort of situation where you can, like, stand your ground on some of it, and then others you have to take damage or run away. Yep, pretty, yep, pretty much. Just, or, you know, yep, exactly, get get out of the way. Um, so, yeah, I beat the the first playthrough, and the, the thing about this game is, you know, there's, like, 26 different endings, you know, one for each letter. Right. And I think I, I have three of them. Two of them are just, like, jokes where it's like, oh, you just didn't go help, you know, or something like that. Um but I think there's like five major ones. So uh, I think you have to play it through like three or five times, three to five times, which is kind of asking a lot. But the thing that I've so far, I'm only like an hour in on the second playthrough and you pretty much control the, one of the other characters and you're playing the same game through the, his perspective. So he's like the same events are happening, but he's somewhere else doing the same, you know, doing something different. So it's, it's a different game, but I just don't know if that's like a no, like the whole through the whole playthrough it'll be like that or not. But at least it gives you a different perspective too. That way, it seems kind of interesting. Yep. How long was the first playthrough? Uh, I did a lot of side quests, so I think it was like fourteen hours. That's not too bad. No, it's not bad at all. Um, it's not one. It's not a game that I would probably typically like just sit down and play for like five hours straight or anything like that. It's like an hour at a time for me, I think. Yeah. But I don't know. I I'm gonna keep going on it. I'll I'm I'll see where it goes. If I hit a lot of repetition, I don't know how well I'll stick to it. I'll probably just look up the other endings, maybe. But uh, so far, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a game that I've wanted for quite a while now, and I just well, for one, I don't see it in too many stores, and when I do, it's still sixty bucks. Like I really thought it was gonna be one of those games that came out and it dropped to forty. Almost right away. Um, so when I find the right price on that, I'm definitely going to grab it. Yep. That's the one you talked about 
a few months ago, wasn't it? Too? Yeah, yeah. Like, top down. Yep. I've really wanted to play it for a long time. One of these days. Yeah. The the skill system's kind of cool too. It basically you're like an android robot, so you all the like skills and stuff that you upgrade yourself with. There's a certain slot capacity. It's like SD cards that you're putting in. A, a hot android that, robot, right? Yeah, pretty much. I've seen yeah. a lot of like upskirt like mini clips on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think there's something where, like, if you do it, then she, like, swats the camera away or something like that. <laughs> you get an achievement for it that, like, you're horrified to have on your achievement list? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. At least I didn't look long enough to get the achievement if it's still there, but... Um... <laughs> Sniffer's row achievement? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the other cool thing in there is there's a, like, uh, auto-chip system, they call it. So, basically, it's a button that you press that turns like automatic dodging and attacking on kind of. So it's just kind of like a button to like watch if like, if you're almost going to die, just turn that on and you're kind of going to make it through and it just, you get to watch awesome combat, you know, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a good way to let people progress through it. If they're not like, cause the platinum games, like you have to be pretty skilled at you know, the combat mechanics. So if you need a little help, that's kind of a cool idea. Right, exactly. I'm guessing probably on like if you're on hard dif- difficulty or something, they turn that off or something. But, yeah. but yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, the other game I've been playing is uh, Micro Machines World Series for Xbox One. Um, I got it mainly because <laughs> we'll find out in a little bit later that I've picked Micro Machines for uh, Buy Rent Burn. But uh, I thought I would play a newer version of Micro Machines, and I don't know. I played it for about a half hour, so not real not real in depth here but i got it for 10 bucks or five bucks or something in a red box as well so pretty low investment yeah that price you really can't go wrong right but the little time i had with it i kind of had a lot of fun there's there's a racing mode and you know you get weapons so it's more like a mario kart style game now compared to the older one is there online gameplay and matchmaking yep yep there is there's there's also like a um uh mario kart battle mode style too you know like all on like a big map shooting each other or more more like a twisted metal maybe probably oh cool um but i logged in and started playing this game and let me uh explain these mechanics of this game and let me let let's see if you can name the inspiration that it's taking from here so you start out you have one weapon that you can use anytime just basically you know bullets or whatever uh, then you have two extra abilities that have cooldowns, and then you have one ability which is your ultimate ability. So that's how you play the game, basically. And then at the end of the round, you gain levels, uh, depending on how well you did. Um, and then at the end of the level, for each level, you gain a loot box, and you open the loot box, and it contains things like skins, coins, uh, stamps, and voice lines. So, is there a um, mode in this game called Lucio Ball? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I couldn't believe how much they ripped that off. That is Overwatch to a T, isn't it? Why do you need loot yeah. boxes in Micro Machines? <laughs> what the hell? Please tell me you can't pay to get them. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure you could. The first thing I saw was loot boxes. I'm like, well, that's where they're making money, I guess. But maybe. <laughs> the one person that's buying them. <laughs> yeah, it's got to get them all. <laughs> I could just imagine that sales pitch, like, hey, guys, the most popular game right now, like, let's just lift the controls. People will just jump right into Micro Machines. It's totally going to work. 
<laughs> so then I laid fifty dollars down just so I could get like a legendary ambulance skin. Oh, nice! So that's a good that's a good <laughs> <No>. deal. <laughs> it's the best value. <laughs> uh, nice. Something that is kind of cool in that game now. I think Hasbro owns Micro Machines, which I don't know if they've always have. Probably not. Wasn't it Mattel? But no, I think it's Hasbro. Back in the day, maybe though? it was Mattel back in the day. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I can't remember either. Uh, but in this game, like uh, all the weapons that you get are like Nerf weapons, <laughs> so you're like shooting Nerf That's darts. That's cross promotion, right? And then like uh, a lot of the stages that you're on, you know, you drive over like a hungry, hungry hippos box or something like that. It's just a lot of like old Product toys like placement? that. You know, are there like Pepsi cans and like tops <laughs> baseball cards that you drive over to? <laughs> No, there was some uh, Codemasters stuff in there though, so I don't know if Codemasters actually made this game. I don't think so. Well, I wonder if they had but, the rights somehow still from the oh, NES days sure. when they could acquired be. them. Yeah, they Looks could like be. It was developed by Codemasters, the original one. Yeah, it was yeah. Codemasters in America. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I I just could not believe like how much Overwatch they stuffed into that, and I'm surprised they got it out got it into that game as fast as they did i mean overwatch isn't that old yet well this game probably took them like a week to develop i'm guessing (laughs) true yeah i haven't been playing a whole lot new um i've just kind of been sorting on my game room but i did pick up i totally had forgotten it came out but the Mega Man collection 2 which has got Mega Man 9 10 uh, and then 7 and 8 which i think it was 20 bucks um not the best value but I kind of wanted physical versions of 9 and 10 because those were digitally only before. Uh, and I played played a little bit of it. Um, I played 8 because I've never liked 8. Um, so naturally, when I bought the collection, I jumped in and started on the game that I disliked the most. Um, mostly just to see if I still dislike it. And yeah, I still don't like that game. That's a pretty not good Mega Man game, in my opinion. It's really weird. Uh, but when you watch that first opening, beginning of that, that is incredible. Like the drunk Dr. Light. Gosh, why do you not remember this? I, maybe I skipped it. Is oh. it like the cinematic? Oh. Yes, you, you got to watch I that. I probably skipped it. I'll have to go back and watch it's it. Some of the, it's some of the worst voice acting I think I've ever seen in a game. It, he's he's just like stumbling over words. He's kind of drunk and he's like, we, we, we got to get Dr. Wiley. <laughs> so he's like a sea captain? Pretty much, yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, you definitely have to check that out. Yeah, I'll have to go back and watch it. What do you make of these? These? Seems to be energy resources. But I've never seen this type on Earth. I don't know where this energy came from, but cannot let it fall into Dr. Wowie's hands. <laughs> you must recover all the energy immediately, Mega Man. But where is Dr. Wiley? That's a good question. We may be able to locate another energy emission from the radar room. When we find that media, we'll find Dr. Wowie. Um, yeah, I played, I don't know, I played maybe like two hours of it. <clears throat> it's fine. I, I think, you know, it's cool to have an updated version. Like, I, I hope they do a Mega Man Collection 3, though, and then they start bringing in, like, the Mega Man X series. Or actually, they probably just should have included X 1, 2, and 3 on this collection and then it would have been worth the value, but um, I don't know. Still not a bad buy, but that's all I've really been playing, I guess. 
Yeah, so what are they going to do now? Because they already have a Mega Man X collection on older systems. Yeah, that's right. I have that. It's PS2. Was it on anything else? Uh, GameCube. And yeah, I think just GameCube and PS2. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good collection. Especially considering the price that 2 and 3 go for now. I mean, spend 30 bucks on the PS2 or spend, what, 500 on Super Nintendo? Yeah, it's probably getting there at that point. I think yeah. it's like 350 and 200 about. Could be wrong. It's way yeah. too much. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I, I think know two like, of them are over a hundred. Yeah, I think both X two and X three have like one of a kind um, chips in them that were only used in that game. Like they were special FX chips that I don't think got used anywhere else outside of those individual cartridges. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, they were a lot of money when they were new too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess my. Uh... Months here, next few months are going to be taken by football. So, <laughs> just been watching preseason and playing Madden. Yeah, I, every time I log on to my PlayStation, I swear to God, you're playing Madden. <laughs> it's pretty much how it's been for what a couple of weeks now. Yeah, I mean, every time I because I'm always watching like Netflix or something on the PlayStation and Madden. Yep. <laughs> so, I got a question. So do they suspend like Ezekiel Elliott in Madden too? <laughs> um, I I believe if you play online, I believe once he is suspended, he will be on really? online play too. Really? Not 100 sure. I don't typically play much for online, but I would assume so. Um, otherwise, it'd be kind of foolish, I suppose, not to. Does it have a story mode? It does. It has. It's like a three-hour movie, though. It's not really a story mode. It's a lot of uh, video clips that you watch, and then uh, quick time events, which is kind of stupid. But overall, like the actual story behind it is pretty good. Does the character's story arc come from like a Division One college where he gets drafted by a team and has a promising first season, and then squanders it all on a DUI charge and then domestic assault, and then? Ends his career after a long legal battle to get the payout of his initial contract. It sounds like you've been paying attention to a trial or to a suspension here. Oh, it just seems like, <laughs> isn't that how it works in the NFL? Um, <laughs> no, but you, you should uh, put, you know, spoiler alert before what you just said. Oh, my bad. No, it's a little bit different. Like, he has this great high school career and then he goes to play college. And his dad dies, so then he plays terrible and quits. And then he goes to try to be drafted, not playing for like three years. It's kind of an interesting story, but I'm going to have to go through it again just so I can get all the trophies, because it's what I do, I guess. You have a platinum trophy on Madden? No. Oh. Um, I, I never really got into the Ultimate Team in the other Maddens, and that was a lot of the trophies in there. So I missed out on a lot of trophies there. I actually only have one platinum trophy and it's rocket league sure that's a good platinum trophy to have right <laughs> that ultimate team stuff seems like it would be fun but also like i just hate that like the cards expire or whatever after a certain amount of games and then they have money tied to it kind of yeah it's a lot of grinding which yeah again i have no issue with it it's just daily logins and everything like that that you have to do makes it kind of interesting i'm actually doing the ultimate team this year trying it out and I'm enjoying it, but see how long I play that game, I guess. But a lot of fun right now. 
you gotta love the season of watching all the new Madden glitches too. Those are pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I had a pretty funny one. Um, and basically, I went back and I was sacking the quarterback, and he threw it as he was going down, and the ball disappeared. Ended up in midfield, just standing up there, and then they started playing soccer, <laughs> <laughs> just kicking the ball like nobody could pick it up. Oh, it is a soccer engine though for FIFA. Is what they're using oh. right now, Frostfire. So they probably forgot what they were developing. Sure. <laughs> well, they knew what they were developing. They were. It was football. Are they going to stop <laughs> calling it Madden ever? Like he has nothing to do with football anymore. Like when is that going to change? Yeah, I was talking to somebody at work about that, and I doubt they'll they'll switch it just because of how famous that name is. I guess. Like you see, um, golf. Tiger Woods is no longer there. It's uh, what is it? Rory McIlroy or some guy. I don't know. I never really got into golf, but like that one changed. I would assume at some point they might think about Madden. I don't know. Well, why not just NFL, whatever? Because I mean, they they have the exclusive rights to the NFL. I mean, it's not. <clears throat> there's no competition. I mean, that's probably why they went with Madden to begin with, because anyone can make an NFL game. But like when you own the NFL license, it should just be NFL football, whatever freaking year. Honestly, right. right. I think it's just like the, the legacy behind it, though. How long has Madden been going? Like, they'd yeah, change it and people would quit following. Probably not, but <laughs> no. They I should. mean, what if he dies though? Like, do you just buy the Madden name off the family after he's dead? That'd be the artist formerly known as Madden, right? <laughs> or the game formerly known as Madden. If you had jalapenos and beans for every meal. You'd have an atomic butt blast, too. Boogerman for Sega Genesis. Hey, boogers aren't his only weapon. <clears throat> so, uh, by Rent Burn, this is a recurring episodic segment of the podcast where we pick three games. Each of us brings a game to the table, and individually we decide which of those games we would personally buy, rent, or burn. And um, we'll go through everybody's picks up for... Uh, debate this this episode andy you've gone with micro machines for the nes this is a codemasters game released in 1991 justin you went with booger man a pick and flick adventure uh for the super nintendo uh there was a genesis version we're looking at the super nintendo one here uh this was an interplay game and it was released in 1995 and i have picked ninja spirit for the turbo graphics 16 irem title and it was released in 1990 Andy, tell us a little bit about Micro Machines and why you went with that one. Sure. Uh, Micro Machines was a toy that I loved in the early 90s. I th that's probably about the time I would have played with them, I guess. Um, they were really popular at that time, too. They were basically just Hot Wheels, but really tiny. Yeah, stupidly um, popular. And, they were so great. Yep. Yep. And they made a game off of it, because everything popular back then you had to make a game out of. Mm -hmm. um, and this... It's kind of like an RC program or uh, uh, like an off-road NES game where uh, it's kind of the top down and you're steering kind of wherever the truck is relative to the uh, the play field. So you might be playing, you might actually point the opposite way of where you're, you think you're going in that plane of space. But uh, so it gets a little bit, you have to you have to uh spend some time with it i guess to get used to those controls a little bit 
Um, and it's interesting too that like there's no boundary so much on the courses. Like you can literally drive off course, but there's just like random right. obstacles that prevent you from progressing. Or eventually, if you're off course long enough, your car does explode. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it probably we probably should say that like a lot of the courses are like real objects. So you're on a pool table or you're on the kitchen table or you're in a bathtub. If you're a boat or sandbox kind of just right. Just kind of like all these different areas where you, you look like a normal size car, but you're actually, since you're such a small car, then everything around you is kind of normal sized. Yeah. Like you clear the gap on top of the kitchen table um, with like a textbook that's laid down and then like cross back over on rulers, which actually maybe it's desks. I don't know, but it's cool. Yeah. I think yep. desks. Yep. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's kind of weird, though, because it's kind of like they made a racing game before they people really laid down the rules and standards of how a racing game works. Um, there's like qualifying in like this arcade racing game, which is really weird. You know, qualifying in racing is hell. I don't even do it in the Gran Turismo games. You know, it's it's the super simulation stuff that really get into that NASCAR, maybe. Um, and then you have like lives. So if you don't make it in the top two, I think you lose a life and you have to do it over again, which is kind of absurd in a racing game. But Yeah. Well, and like, uh, I think one of the best parts of the game is it's not even gameplay related is just like the wonderful assortment of racial stereotypes that you get to pick as people to race against. <laughs> <laughs> like they nailed it. They hit everybody like Chinese, yep. Indian, Oh my god, it's it's laughable. Like that was by far my favorite part of the game. Like I was just like, wow, this this actually happened back then in the nineties. Right. As long as we offend everybody equally, <laughs> we won't get in trouble. They even had like the chubby, like nerdy white kid, like with the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. He was the easiest. Did you know there's actually skill? No. Like some of them are more skilled than the other ones too. Really? So like that fat guy is like the worst racer in the game, I guess. <laughs> That's the one I used. That's funny. <laughs> I think I went with the yeah. Asian kid. I was like, he's got to be good. This is a video game. <laughs> See, I picked a fat guy because I figured that's all he could do is play video games. For sure, yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? Yeah. Like, this is horrible, but the, the one black kid, uh, his name is Jethro. I thought it was called Deathro, and I was like, holy shit, that's super offensive. Because, <laughs> like, the text <laughs> yeah, was that's... a little bit weird. <laughs> but, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, uh, the music in here is obnoxious. I cannot stand the music in this game or any of the sound effects or anything. Yeah. Um, it was pretty bad. And some of the, the highest difficulty curve that I've ever seen, it's like, do that first boat thing. Then you do like the one on the kitchen table. And then, you're and then after that, it's, yeah, after that, it was just like hard it's like learn the controls get good you know i feel like they engineered rubber band ai in racing games like this might be the first most calculated example of that <clears throat> yeah, like it's yep. amazing <laughs> yeah that first crossing the the gap there um that was brutal when you have to go back in the rulers oh yeah oh yeah stop or whatever <laughs> yeah it takes forever yeah, it's like there's like 10 pixels that you can go across and it's like oh that i mean you that first level that first race is absolute breeze Basically, you can take shortcuts and they don't even care. Yep. Well, and the biggest issue that the game has, too, is, like, the controls are responsive, but the speed is so fast in those little things. But they don't give you 
a heads up display of like the course outline. Yep. Right. So you can't anticipate yep. anything until you've memorized that course, but good luck memorizing it when you maybe get two laps, then you're on to the next thing. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out. I was going to pop in RC pro am to see if like you got to see more yeah. of the course. You get to see game, here's the course or... outline in RC pro pro am. And that like makes all the difference. Sure. Yeah. And like off road, that's, you can see the whole map in that one pretty much. So, right. Yeah. That was like a, yeah, those two games, you're right. It's like a perfect mashup of it, it controls like off road, but it looks more like RC pro am almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I wonder like, so the, a lot of people maybe don't know this. It It, it is an unlicensed NES game. Yep. Comes in like a shiny gold cartridge. Or yeah. it's an Aladdin deck enhancer game, depending on which version you own. But yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And even even like the Super Nintendo ver- or the Sega Genesis version is like a weird cartridge too. So it must be all the same Comerica stuff, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm. it's got to be probably the best-selling unlicensed nes game or probably the one with the biggest name i was trying to figure that out i would imagine i mean like everybody's played it at some point i mean and you know if it if they had kind of like balanced the gameplay and it if they had kind of kept the difficulty around like that level three area um before it just got insane like it would be a legitimately fun game like it's enjoyable for the first i don't know 15 20 minutes and then when you hit those four and five those stages it just becomes a complete apparent crap show like you know you're never like by the fifth level the ai is so fast and so precise like if you screw up at all which you're going to because i mean you can't tell where you're going to end up or where you're going i mean it's game over yeah pretty much anything that you hit in this game it stops you dead and then you can't go forward like you have to back up Mm -hmm. and go ahead some more and it's it's yeah once you screw up once you're pretty much done Mm mm-hmm I did really enjoy, like, they kind of captured the essence of Micro Machines pretty well, though, and I liked how when you completed <clears throat> races, you know, it added the little card to your collection, collection box, you know, which was, like, the kind of crap they would sell. Oh, yeah. You know, in the stores along with your Micro Machines, so that was cool. Yep. No, I never had that case. I had the car wash. I had a car wash, too. Yep. And I, I think also, a lot of people had that one. I had the barn, too, that unfolded in, like, a sort of San Francisco-ish little city. That was sweet. And an aircraft carrier. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And at least, I mean, at the very least, it touches on like a lot of nostalgia, I guess, you know, from that toy line as, <laughs> as a kid. I just would have felt really bad for anyone who bought that in, you know, the 90s and had to play it. Right. Like you can play play the first few levels and have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, di- I didn't play two player. Maybe that would be a lot, you know, a lot better. Yeah, I can see yeah, that being really just fun. Two equal play. Right. Have a buddy over. Yeah. If he used four score, that would be amazing. Yep. Just uh, put it on mute, though. All right. Just <laughs> throw in your Slayer tape and rock out. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to go split screen then? Is that how that would be? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. See less of the track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You just leave one person off the screen. It's like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you leave one person <laughs> off the screen, it's over. Like Every match lasts five seconds. Yeah. Kind of like that idea for a modern game, though. That's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't that kind of like um, I'm trying to think? Um, this is a bad example, but that Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles or whatever, where like everybody has to stay in like a little bubble to be in like the protective oh, yeah. thing. Huh. Yeah, I haven't played it. Yeah. No really, idea. 
went way down the What's going on? On Where you're you're talking about a Final Fantasy game, and I'm like, I don't know, I've never played it. (laughs) Well, it's the one that everybody hates, so you know. (laughs) Which is, you know, Final Fantasy ties so well into Micro Machines on the NES. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's leave it right there. I'm so good at taking this off off pace, but (laughs) Justin, how about Booger Man? Um, I guess this pick, I honestly had never even heard of it. Right? It basically was. Um, a, a game I've never heard of, and I just kind of came across it. So, yeah, I'll pick that one. Pun intended? Yes. <laughs> I'm here all day. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll be quiet now. And, yeah, it's kind of an interesting game, I guess. It's, you know, it's platform game. Scroll across collecting plungers and flicking boogers at enemies and don't forget that there's the button that just says booger man on command (laughs) (laughs) or you can burp right yeah um i i really didn't get very far in this game i think if i would have played it when i was younger i might have enjoyed it more (laughs) it was a tough game to get into and it was actually really fun watching the expression on my wife's face while I was playing this game. Just with the random fart sounds <laughs> and like Yep. <laughs> yeah, it is like a twelve year old's like wet dream. Like it's the perfect game if I was like demented like seventh grade me or something. Yeah. Um I don't know. It wasn't really any I guess value to me as a kid because I never played it, so picking it right now. I guess it was just random. Yeah. I feel like they kind of went with <clears throat> platformers are popular, so let's make a really crude version of like Mario Brothers, and, I, and they, that's kind of just what they went for. Um, like you can warp down through toilets. Um, again, you attack enemies by throwing boogers at them or belching. Uh, the one thing that I thought was kind of interesting, I think overall, because this was like a Genesis and the Super Nintendo game released at the same time, I believe this felt more like a Genesis game on the Super Nintendo than anything I've ever seen. Like, the music felt... It was like a Genesis soundtrack. The graphics were a little bit grittier. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of weird. Like, I really felt like I should have been playing it on my Sega Genesis, but yet it was on the yeah, Super Nintendo. I can Nintendo. kind of see that. Yeah. I, I I didn't play the Sega version to kind of compare, I guess, but... You did? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? Okay. I have at one yeah. point. It's been a while. I... It, I feel like they're pretty spot on as far as, you know, back then, like, multi-platform games were pretty accurate to one another. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to love these, like, 90s games where it was just, like, trying to disgust, you know, the most disgusting thing that they could put into a video game, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, your sister's going to hate this, so you better buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it was all, like, attitude based i think like the the graphic style though was so bad on it um everything blended together really bad and they had like all those bridges so it was almost like you had to crawl along the screen because every enemy was almost impossible to pick out from the background those snails especially right the snails were terrible yeah yeah i will say the animation in it is very good i thought yeah it is like the actual frames of animation is really good uh but yeah they could have just picked a better like color palette i think yeah, it would have helped out a lot. Um, my three-year-old son absolutely loved this game. <laughs> he was laughing so hard. 
I'll have to try that with my kids. Let him... <laughs> and, oh, yeah. I mean, he was, but then he would get mad at me. He's like, Daddy, you got to fart on him, you know? Because <laughs> then I showed him the, the secret fart move, and then he was doing that the whole time. There's a fart move? Yeah, if you uh, if you press down and do the burp button, he farts. He farts instead. Oh my god! Yep. Well, I need to go back to this one. Yeah, yeah. You better take. You know, you better uh, reevaluate the whole science behind this now. And yeah, once you have the fart, this just went from like a six point five to an eleven. <laughs> so, did anyone progress far enough to get to like a boss or anything, or not? No, no. Okay, yeah, me either. I gave I mean, it if I really. Yeah, if I were to really put it into it, I think I would have gotten pretty far, but like I kind of got what the game was, you know. <laughs> yeah. In the first 30 <laughs> seconds, you clearly yep. know what this game is about. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I played about half hour 40 minutes and I figured that was enough, so. Yeah. It's like an inherently mediocre game with a disgusting, you know, mechanic to it that is the selling point or was. Yep. So what about Ninja Spirit? Ninja Spirit. <clears throat> yeah. So basically, it's uh, a ninja game. You know, in that era, ninja games were all the rage. We had Ninja Gaiden. We had uh, all sorts of stuff. Shinobi. Ninja Spirit is um, similar in that vein. Uh, you, you get all, several weapons to go through. So it's a lot of... It, the gameplay is deeper than you initially th- would would think in a game like that, where it's just like a side-scrolling hack-and-slash uh, ninja game I, I, there's a lot of things that i think make it great um the power-up system just like the layering of the weapons and how you can use them to progress through the stages is a big thing and uh the power-ups it's almost it almost plays out more like a vertical scrolling shooter in that regard like where you need to manage your power-ups and make sure you get them to progress uh, and if you die it can be tough to bounce back uh the controls are very tight the graphics are like dirty and kind of spooky and uh, the music, I think, really fits the game well. Um, I absolutely love this game. Uh, I, that's why I picked it. I don't, know how, I don't know if either one of you had played it before, but it's a very tight, controlling game. It, it's just really fun, and um, I don't know. I just I love it. I love the the whole Turbo Graphics aspect too, with like the large, detailed bosses. Uh, that's all really cool. Uh, it does have like some issues with. Um, constant spawning of enemies from all directions. Um, but, you know, it's pretty manageable when you realize that your sword gives you pretty much invincibility. Like, it's got the shortest r- shortest range, but you can spam that button and pretty much block any projectile coming at you. You know, if you've got enemies that are out of ways, you've got ranged attacks with um, the sh- throwing stars. I mean, it's 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 got a lot going for it, more than you initially see when you start up the game. Plus, like, the power-up system allows you to have, like, duplicates of your main player uh so once you've got both power-ups you've basically got three controllers on screen or three characters on screen that you're all controlling at the same time you can just do massive damage and just pretty much obliterate anything on the screen it's kind of nice because you have that power up and you have all all three of you then you jump those guys just float too if you don't move oh yeah absolutely (laughs) that's yep that's my strategy on the boss i jump and then i wait for the boss to spawn in and just spam attack can we talk about the jumping in this game well, it's incredible. Yeah, it's like Legend of Kage. I mean, it's just it's like that perfect ninja movie feel. Like you're flying through freaking trees and shit. Yeah, I mean, you can jump to the top of the screen pretty much any yeah. time you want. Yeah, yeah. and it, it kind of feels good. It like it has some sort of momentum. Like it, it actually like slows down and speeds up in the right spots. It's kind of cool. 
Yeah, I feel like if I had played this back when I was playing like Ninja Gaiden and Shinobi in those games, like I would have been so blown away by like how much of a like it totally captures like the you know <clears throat> cheesy karate film ninja feel of of what you would expect as a kid. Yeah, I I kind of like this quite a bit as well. Um, the character spawn was a little annoying, obviously, just kind of left and right all the time. But like you said, once you once you start getting more power ups, and you, especially if you have more than one person there, then it, it's completely manageable. Then you can fly through. Actually, one uh, one valid strategy in this game is just run as fast as you can too, mm-hmm. and not hit anything, and just keep going as fast as you can. Eventually, you probably get hit by a, a projectile or some sort, but uh, you can make it pretty far just doing it that way. Um, yeah. But overall, the power up system is pretty cool. Um, kind of just kind of managing the enemies um overall it's kind of like a poor man's uh shadow blasters but um (laughs) you didn't (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i want that quote on a (laughs) t-shirt yeah no and i like how um you know, every once in a while it starts to, it does they're not, I guess they wouldn't be like mid-level bosses, but there are certain characters in certain stages that can deal like one hit kills. And if you don't, you know, take the time to like figure out how to deal with them properly, like they will, like, I think they come in at level two even, but I, more so level three, you notice it with those like zombie samurais that spawn in and just, yep. you know, it, it's cool. It's like little touches like that that kind of break up the monotony and make you use your weapons because you really have to think about like what you're going to use to attack them. Yep. I mean, basically when I said like, there is some sort of, there is a small connection to Shadow Blasters just in that, uh, the depth, once you get into the depth of the game, then it's a lot more fun. There's a lot more to play around with in that game. And the Ninja Spirit is pretty awesome once you start getting power-ups and, you know, kind of knowing what your goal is, saving the right people to get the power-ups that you need. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Having three guys next to you, or is it two? maybe you max out on yeah I'm you can have sure, two additional so there's like others. three in total that you're controlling yeah you and yeah two, two but that's levels. incredible you just like dominate the whole screen like all the time it's amazing it's very satisfying yep all right well so we got to hear a little bit about each game um let's go through our picks and decide uh individually which games we would buy rent and burn andy will go back to you let's hear it sure uh, for my buy, I'm going to pick uh, Ninja Spirit. Uh, when I first played it, I didn't think I would really like it. But like I was just saying, once you get into the depth and play it more, uh, it really gets good. Um, I think I even want to play it some more just to because I feel like I can get better at that game and even, even go farther in it. It's one of those games where you just want to go back and keep trying. Um, my rent will be Boogerman, uh, probably just for my kids to watch and just laugh their ass off playing that game because i know if i was their age playing that game i would have been doing the same exact thing so it would have been a blast for me at that point as well i think um overall it's not a great game i mean it's it's pretty much a half hour to an hour and you 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 can set it down so um and then my burn is going to be micro machines i rented that game so much when i was a kid I kept wanting to get better at that game. I think it was more because I like the toys more than the actual game itself. <laughs> and I think I've verified that claim here by saying this is not a great controlling game. And 
overall, it just gets way too hard, way too quickly to really enjoy it. So what about you, Justin? Well, um, yeah, I guess mine's basically the same order here. We're going to have my buy is going to be Ninja Spirit. Um, I honestly, when I seen that, I didn't expect much just because of the typical games that I've played that Ryan has recommended from the Turbo Graphics. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I recommend Amazing. It's a great system. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just, I wasn't expecting much, but it was actually a lot of fun. It's probably the the best game that Ryan's brought to the table so far. Um, I, I really like that one. Um, my rent is going to be Boogerman, uh, just just because I don't like micro machines. <laughs> um, yeah, Boogerman is is not really a great game. It's a game like you said you'd play for. I don't know if I'd even put an hour, but um, it, it's an interesting game to put in, and I do want to actually have my kids sit around now and see what their thoughts on it are. Um, Micro Machines, it's one of those games that frustrates me because of how hard it is to control. Um, I think as a kid, I probably would have played it quite a bit more and maybe would have enjoyed it more, but it, it's got an inter- interesting concept to it, and I do, um, I do think that they, you know, implemented the other games that came after that quite a bit, like you guys were talking about. But I just, I'm gonna burn that one. Yeah, and I, um, no surprise, um, I'm gonna buy Ninja Spirit. I, I love it. If, if, top three um, Turbo Graphics games for me would be Air Zonk, Blazing Lasers, Ninja Spirit. Without question. So um, I love the action in this game. I just they capture the style and feel of like the ninja vibe so well. The power ups are great. Um, <clears throat> just really enjoy it. Tight controls, great visuals and style. Uh, my my rent. I, I'm again. I'm gonna go with Boogerman. Um, it's not inherently an awful game. It's just it's basically built off of uh, a bad joke that a uh, you know a younger version of me would have really enjoyed. Um, and for that reason, you know. It's worth a rent, um, and then I just have to burn micro machines, and it becomes it, it comes down to a control issue. It start like we said, it starts out as a very fun game, um, but it quickly becomes an unplayable, unwinnable mess, um, which just kind of ruins the initial good vibes you got off of it. Um, so yeah, um, second time so far, and in, in six episodes, we've come to the same conclusion on a buy rent burn. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Wow. I really thought somebody was going to pick Booger Man for a buy. To be honest, <laughs> I I was I was fifty fifty on it. How dare you! But overall, like when I when I thought about like what game I would want to play, it would probably be Ninja Spirit. You know, right? Makes sense. I played it in in order of uh, I played Micro Machines first, and then Booger Man. And at that point, Booger Man was my buy. And then when I played Ninja Spirit, at first. I wasn't sure on it because I was like, well, this is just a typical game that you always side-scroll, <laughs> kill enemies that spawn, and then it actually, like the power-ups and stuff, it made it more interesting, and I actually enjoyed it. So Yeah, it makes you feel like a badass ninja, and that's that's what the video yep. game should do. Yep. I mean, I, I was never a huge fan of the Ninja Gaiden st- games, but this one I liked a lot more than that. Yeah. Even with, like, the the endless spawn of there's, there's a lot more spawning in this game than the, the Ninja Gaiden, which that is pretty bad as well. But yeah, 
Well, cool. Did you guys did you guys know that there was a Boogerman Kickstarter for a new bigger Boogerman game? <laughs> Why? Why to kickstart that? Was it Wisdom Tree? Exactly. No, no, not quite. Um, but I think it was handily decided that the world wanted to burn that Kickstarter as well. Good. Thank you, Internet, for once you've made a logical choice. <laughs> The Micro Machine Man here, aircraft carrier there. You can't have that, but you can have this. The new Micro Machine aircraft carrier playset. The dramatically detailed, terrifically trimmed replica of the real thing that holds 25 Micro Machines with fabulous, fantastic features. Two totally terrific elevators, real working hoist, runway, and two cargo arms. The new Micro Machine aircraft carrier playset from Galoob. Remember, if it doesn't say Micro Machines, it's not the real thing. This is the Micro Machine Man, presenting the most midget miniature motorcade of Micro Machines. Plus incredible Micro Machine pocket playset. Each one comes with its own special edition Micro Machine vehicle and fun, fantastic features. This Micro Machine service center many more. And these playsets fit together to form a perfectly precise Micro Machine world. The Micro Machine collect and race and trade in from Galoob. <laughs> Okay, let's talk a little news. Uh, the first thing I have, because it kind of excites me and also makes me very angry, uh, is a I am 8-Bit is putting out a reproduction official by Capcom Street Fighter II Super Nintendo cartridge with the game on it. Uh, it's a 30th anniversary edition, they call it. Um, there's 5,500 of them going to be made. Uh, 4,500 of them are going to be a red uh, shell cartridge, and I think a 1,000 of them are going to be this like glow-in-the-dark green one, and you're not going to know which one is which. Uh, all of this, you know, kind of doing this lottery for this uh, limited amount of uh, cartridge for $100, um, plus I think it was like $25 shipping or something insane like that, too. Um I'm not sure how to feel about this. Uh, I don't think I'm going to buy one, and I don't think I want to support it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction when I saw that was like, okay, this is really cool that a company, you know, the developer uh, is getting behind it and doing a product like this. I've wanted Nintendo to do something similar to this, um, you know, or even Sega for a long time. Um, to see Capcom kind of getting behind it and backing it is great. I think it's neat to see. I'm a little afraid, though, on the negative side, like what this means for the industry in general, if this goes well. I mean, are we going to start seeing a ton of this stuff? And then the other part is um, <clears throat> just the limited nature of this carries the same negative aspects that I feel like limited run games does in general. Um, I, think this, I think this sort of release um, is... For two types of people, uh, diehard collectors who are going to pay $100 for a new cartridge version of a game that you can buy on literally every platform known to man in the last 20 years, or people who are just going to buy it and flip it. And I think that's going to be the majority of the people that buy this is people looking to resell it, which sucks. Right. I'm wondering what kind of resell value it's going to have. Um, It took... A good amount of days for that thing to finally sell out, I think. And so that's telling that uh, the demand isn't all the way there. And chances are, if you wanted this thing, you probably found out about it by now and had the opportunity to buy it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. And I, I didn't really look too closely at it, but does it come with a box and instruction manual too, or is this just cartridge? Yeah, it's a box. Uh, okay. Yeah, it comes with a comes with everything, basically. Um, it's not like the original box, obviously, I don't think, because I don't think they can really put nintendo or anything on it um because it makes it's sense not you know it's not a licensed nintendo product i guess right 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like the idea for a hundred dollars. It's, it's bananas. Like that's no way am I buying something like that for a hundred dollars, especially a cartridge that's 12 bucks maybe. Well, yeah. The and real that, thing. I mean, that's the thing is like high quality, well done homebrew reproductions where people actually develop a new game. Those sell box manual cartridge for 60. And you're telling me that basically a ROM dump onto a new board is a hundred. Come on. Right. Yep. I think it would be cool if they, if somebody came out with a line of like reproduction Super Nintendo carts that were officially licensed, had like a cool design to them, and maybe had like a number, like what number in the series it was, something like yeah. that for a re- reasonable price. You know, yes. I think that would be really cool. But this is not that. This is especially you know the throwing in a th- uh, a thousand to maybe get a different color cartridge is just you know you're playing the lottery. You're yeah, getting people. To throw money in to hopefully <laughs> it is win a lottery, lottery system. Yeah, because if you get one of those green ones, you better think about throwing that up for sale because you're going to get so much money back off of that. Yeah, you <clears> would <throat> think you'd, you'd get a decent amount of It's glow in the that. dark too, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They could have picked a better game, I think, to start this off with. You know, Street Fighter is is a seminal game, but it's just not. It's a really common Super Nintendo game as well, so... My guess is, too, is they probably went with it because it fits on a smaller board. So less cost, more markup. Sure, sure. How long do you think we, it takes until we see one of these um, VGA graded and then put on eBay? <laughs> it hasn't happened already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my uh, pre-order for the re-release of Street Fighter 2. <laughs> VGA graded edition. Only freaking $4,500. It can be yours. <laughs> Buy it now. Yeah. Yeah. The email is printed out of your confirmation and that's what's VGA graded. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, it's, it's again, I, I love the fact that we were seeing a developer get behind this. Um, but it almost just feels like a bit of a selfish cash grab um, to capitalize on the collecting market right now when Capcom yep. doesn't have a whole lot, you know, like, Oh, street fighter five sucks buy this version of our game for uh, way too much money. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, like if people have been saying for a while now that, Hey, classic games are probably in a bubble right now and it's going to burst at some point. Um, this is the type of shit that happened to comics and baseball cards and it's finally happening here, you know, basically manufacturing things that are supposed to be collectible, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. We could look back and this could be one of the first nails in the coffin, which I mean, if it collapses, I'm not going to complain. If I can if I can go to garage sales and buy NES cartridges for 25 cents again, okay. Yep. I will stick up for limited run games more than this. Uh limited run is actual physical games of yeah. of, you know, digital only games. So They're doing not... a service to indie developers, I agree. Right. And and I think in some respects like you have to keep it a limited amount because that's what gets a certain amount of people to actually buy your product because it's a limited thing, you know, that's their business model. So in order for that to succeed, they have to do that, I think a little bit, but that's a lot of the, the stuff, the scalpers and everything on the other side, that's, that's just the negative effects of that type of business model. But this is, this is completely manufactured for, I mean, nobody needs this, right? Right. (laughs) You know, it's not preservation or anything like that. <laughs> right. I mean, they could have easily increased if they wanted to do true fan service as a thank you to people who who have 
you know, supported the company in the series, they could have done this and made 20,000 cartridges, not colored them, or even colored them, that's fine, and then done it with a box for 40 bucks, and everybody would have bought it. Um, and, you know, it would have been a nice collector's piece and, like, a nod to Capcom as a thank you to their, their fan base. Um, but, yeah, this is just kind of a selfish price point, I think, that it, and, you know, the number. I mean, obviously... Especially with cartridges, it's a numbers game. The more you can get, the better the price is. Um, so, I mean, there there was definitely a better way to do this. You know, it it's cool. It's just kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I mean, it, so many people, like you said, like, it's really neat. But that price is just instantly puts people away. Even people I know that love the series. Yeah. That said, if uh, Nintendo put out Star Fox 2 on a cartridge tomorrow for a hundred dollars i'd be there right now why why would you do that when you can wait four (laughs) weeks and buy the super nes classic that you won't be able to find anywhere because they suck dick on ebay for like eight hundred dollars and own it like you don't need a cartridge that's true sorry but i'm very mad but i can't play my old cartridge either you know yeah did you hear that okay so uh as far as news goes is you hear that they're going to bring back um a few issues of nintendo power with special, like, Super Nintendo-themed covers, Star Fox 2 being one of them. Really? No, yep. I hadn't. Yeah, it's going to be, like, a limited thing uh, in conjunction with the release of the SNES Classic. So, huh. Kind of an They'll probably make more of those than the Super Nintendo Classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just open that and just, like, dream of the time that I thought I was going to get a Super Nintendo Classic. <laughs> it's okay. I have this <laughs> republished Super or, uh Nintendo Power to make me feel all warm and fuzzy. I didn't need that SNES Classic anyway. Yeah, you you can stroll through that magazine and see pictures of people having fun with the the Super Nintendo Classic. You know. Yeah, it's almost as good as having one. I don't I don't need that thing. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I hope this. I I think this is kind of cool. If they you know obviously cut the price and did something more in an actual series, kind of like a oh shit. What's the the movie version of like collecting the best movies and putting it in? Oh, Criterion. Yes, like if they did a Criterion collection of like cartridge games, that would be, I'd be all for yeah. that. Or like on the other end of the spectrum too, like you look at the vinyl market and what they've done, and they take you know you take like a lot of your your famous bands and you do a brand new box set and like remaster them. Like how cool would it be to like you know go pre order like a bundled cartridge based box set of all street fighter games that came out for the super nintendo right I mean that would be really neat in like one pa- one package like that yep <laughs> totally doable yeah like the capcom disney collection yeah that would be really awesome huh the other part that came out with this was that like there was a warning that hey this could burn down your house but i think that's just covering them it's like hey you might have dust in your super nintendo and it could ignite yeah. you know like I don't think that's, I think that was overblown compared to what a lot of people. Well, I think that kind of like, I think that came out of like that recent article too, where people were citing the fact that, um, new, new ROM boards and EverDrives operate at like a slightly different voltage than the original cartridges and innards. So they can potentially wear out or cause damage to your system. So, you know, I agree though. It, It was more of a disclaimer, but that seems to be the thing that like took over the news was, Street Fighter 2, it's coming back, and also it's going to burn your house down. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really a collector, but I can't stand when they want to bring stuff back 
and people are going to make more money off of it just by reselling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's stupid. But Yeah, there's a lot to that, for sure. I mean... At least right away. Like, yeah. Uh, here's another piece of... <laughs> I don't know if it's news. Something that just came out was... Uh, I don't know if this actually got confirmed here in America. It came out right away that the Japanese Nintendo website kind of said that Mario is not a plumber anymore. Um, I guess I haven't followed up to see if that's a global news piece now or not. Um, So what's his current occupation, did they say? Well, I think this is all like a smear campaign, you know, trying to wipe that from his, you know, his resume if he's trying to make it as a serious doctor. Hmm. I always thought he freelances around Jeremy impersonator. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to play Super Mario Odyssey now. <laughs> what do you think about like the heritage of Mario though, and the fact that he was a plumber? Like how relevant that seemed when we were kids. I feel like that hasn't really been talked about in the last twenty years. Right. I mean, other than the pipes, like what really ties him to plumbing anymore? Either you know. Right. But you could just like if I was a kid, I could just interpret that as like interpret those as like a really sweet tube slide like yeah. that's cool he's going down a tube slide wasn't there like a mario movie or something back years ago where he was a plumber too yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah the, the infamous movie with what's his name i can't remember bob hoskins yeah yeah and uh john leguizamo yeah right yep yeah that's that's quite a movie and yeah they have i mean they have the whole van set up and everything if i remember right the whole plumbing yeah. van and everything. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole premise, right? They were, like, fixing some crap down in the sewers, and they found the portal to the Mushroom Kingdom, and <laughs> and then none of it made sense from there on out, but it was Mario Brothers. Yep. But I can kind of see it nowadays, like, if you were going to, to explain, oh, yeah, like, Mario's a plumber, like, a lot of kids probably don't even know that, you know? That's true. They just have questions. Yeah, I don't mind them saying he's not a plumber, but I want them to explain to me why he's a dwarf compared to everyone else in New Donk City. I think that's my main concern right now. What he does for an occupation doesn't bother me. Is he human is is the real question. <laughs> oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> I mean, which one of those are the aliens, really? Right. Or maybe he is human, and like that's why he's not a plumber. Because he's clearly like got some sort of crippling disease, and he just collects disability <laughs> checks at the unemployment. You know, he just walks up to City Hall in New Donk City and gets his check once every two weeks. Yep, <clears throat> it's quite the racket. <laughs> Maybe he slings some hash on the side. You know, pay for those extra expenses. Yeah, mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten to the bottom of this. Got Mario figured out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nothing big. I, I mean, I don't think he's actually been a plumber for, for forever. I don't think they actually acknowledge that. Right. Like even, yeah, I'd agree. It's sort of a weird statement though, to just hear like come out publicly. Right. And what was the source on this? Uh, the Japanese Nintendo site. Hmm. So I don't know what the actual translation was to, if it was actually like newsflash Mario is not a plumber or if it was just like, you know, something a lot less tamer than that. Lost in translation. Yeah. Who knows? But I guess Mario can practice whatever thing he wants to now, as if he hasn't been already. Right. Well, now that he can throw a hat and like 
take over any living organism or inanimate <laughs> object. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be. Yeah, like if I could take over anything, my plumbing days are over. Yeah, no shit. Throw it onto a bank teller, walk into the vault. You, that's a year's work <laughs> right there. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I think, I don't know, were we all in the same boat where, like, you realized, like, two days ago the Destiny 2 came out today? <laughs> I didn't realize it today. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? It's still happening? Yes. Like, what? they haven't advertised that at all, which makes me think that Activision and Bungie know that they didn't meet, you know. Yeah. I think I think you're not going to get any a lot of new people into Destiny 2, right? You're just going to appease the fans that you already had. Yeah. Just hoping that they come back. Yeah, I hope maybe the fact that they're quiet on this is, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and it means that they did put the work in and they made it a different experience, but they're not trying to like maybe ram it down everybody's throat like they did the first time when they're overselling it and couldn't meet the promises. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first one was exactly that to me. I'm not a huge first person shooter guy, but I got caught up in that hype so much and did not deliver in any way, shape or form for me. Yeah. I mean, it played exactly like Halo. I mean, it uh, it improved like it, it played like an improved version gameplay wise of Halo, yeah. And I really appreciated that, but it just gutted everything that made Halo great, which was this engrossing like campaign. Even though it was like kind of nonsensical, I mean, it was still something, and there was like an arc to it. And Destiny just was a lifeless shell of a video game. Yeah, that story in that first one is just <laughs> it, it. Yeah, it's nonsensical to the max for sure. When you're making people like go to separate websites to read like the lore, like you have failed. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's because Activision or Activision made them gut. Like, I think they. I mean, Bungie's kind of been open. And it's come to light that you know they had to gut pretty much the entire game <clears throat> the year before it was released. Um, so it was just kind of like a, a lost cause in the horrible development cycle of this thing. I mean, the first one was wasn't terrible. It had its flaws, but I don't know. It's, it's just, can you put out pretty much the same game and have anybody come back? In my right. opinion, I don't know. It looks so much like the same thing. Like I was watching some streams on it, and it, I don't know, I don't know if they were actually playing to. I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I look at Destiny more as like an MMO style, where it's like, they put out the expansions and, you know, the big updates and stuff, and it's 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 pretty much the same thing, right? They might add a couple things, just like World of Warcraft does, right? Right. Yeah, but at least World of Warcraft made like huge improvements like you can fly everywhere. Like that's the type of improvement Destiny needed where it's like there's no going to orbit. There's no, you know, transporting yourself through like checkpoints on planets and maps. Like it should have been like this cohesive engaging environment. That was the one thing that it needed to really become the next level. And sadly from what I've seen like that does not appear to be addressed yeah hmm. you know there was no issue in the gameplay department like i guarantee you it plays super solid but i mean i've already watched some you know some gameplay and some streams where it's the same you know public event enemies and it's the same environments and they're going back to orbit and i don't know <laughs> i'm not i'm not down with that that was that was the horrible grindiness of the first one I mean, I never had an issue with the way it felt. It felt great. You know, Bungie can do that well, but Bungie can also make a better, I guess, 
story than what either they're capable of now or what Activision is allowing them to do. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I'm falling for this one, for sure. It'll be, have to be on sale for me to go for it. I'm probably going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> on sale on maybe Black Friday. Well, it will be. Yeah. It'll probably be on sale before that. I'm sure it'll be a month or two. It'll be... I suppose Black Friday's already two months away. Yeah, it is a month or two. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, that'll be. I bet that'll be the hot Black Friday item. Yeah, it could be. Or one of them. I know Death, the first one bombed real. I mean, not real bombed, but it was like 20 bucks real quick. Yeah. Right. And now it's like practically free, I think. Yep. So, topic this time around, we are going to talk Sony PlayStation Memories. Now, uh, this is the original PlayStation that we'll be discussing, um, the very first entry by Sony into the video game market. It came out in North America in uh, the fall, September of 1995. Um, Kind of at an interesting time in gaming, we had a lot of different machines on the market. You know, 3DO, um, Jaguar, Super Nintendo was still around. Um, we had all sorts of competition, um, the Sega Saturn and, uh, you know, one interesting note out of this is in the reason that Sony even brought the PlayStation to life was, um, due to a botched deal with Nintendo, uh, as the PlayStation was supposed to be an add on to the super Nintendo, a CD add on similar to the Sega Genesis CD attachment. Um, so Sony really got into the market more as a revenge tactic to take down, um, Nintendo, or at least deal some damage to them for the embarrassment that they caused out of that public fallout. Um, <clears throat> but this is a system that I think all of us on the podcast have some pretty fond memories of, and it kind of came out and revolutionized the industry in a lot of ways um, at a time when we were we were at the right age to just really latch hold on that. Um, what are, what are your guys' like some of your first memories or impressions of getting a glimpse of you know this crazy new uh, Sony video game system. I guess mainly for me. Um, I remember I was in the store. I don't remember what kind of store it was, but I was in there and they had a, a game on sale. It was like three bucks, five bucks maybe, an Andretti Racing game. And so I ended up buying that even before I had a PlayStation. And then I would just bring that with my memory card to a friend's house and play it. Um, but there's just so many great games that were on it that, you know, reinvented gaming for me i guess yeah i think for me like when you started seeing the commercials and stuff for the playstation you know at the same time sega was still really pushing the saturn like i used to adamantly believe like oh you know sony this is like for me the controller looked really odd i was like this is a weird looking controller you know this this system's not gonna make it it's gonna die and like i would you know uh, sega saturn's the way to go um and then you know it almost the saturn just kind of disappeared and i remember going over to our cousins on like a I want to say it was like a Thanksgiving holiday, and they had rented one. It was my cousin who's a few years older, and he'd rented one back when you could rent systems um, from your local, you know, video store. And he had, I want to say it was the Clock Tower 2, maybe, and some weird sci-fi racing game. And uh, that was my first 
real glimpse and like hands-on of the, the PlayStation. And I think that was back when they were still like a few hundred dollars shortly after launch. It just blew me away. Like I could not believe how incredible the system was and like how futuristic it seemed uh, at that time. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I got into the PS1 kind of late. Um, I don't know what it was. I was still playing my Sega, I think, you know, like Vector Man and a lot of those late games on the Genesis. Uh, and my friends all had Super Nintendos and they were all into Donkey Kong Country and like Yoshi's Island, which were kind of coming out at the same exact time, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, for me, like when I went to the store, like if you go to Target or whatever and they had the kiosks or whatever, it's like, you know, Crash Bandicoot kind of looks cool, whatever. But this night, what's on Sega Saturn, like that looks incredible. Yes. And. <laughs> Boy, when you look back now, that was the wrong opinion, straight up wrong. Uh, I had to say, like that is like so spot on because I had the exact same thought. Like I would, I would just go around like the school telling everybody like nights, like oh man, that game's amazing. I would just play this like uh, demo at Media Play back when those were still around of nights and just loved it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not I. I don't know if I'd ever go back to nights now, but there's probably hundred games on the PS One that I'd happily play today. Um, <laughs> but I think my first hands-on with it really was a lot. I did get, I did have one friend that had it. Um, and it was, I think it was his older brother. So he had a lot of like, uh, older games, like more horror games. Um, I remember seeing Resident Evil for the first time and kind of scared by it, you know, cause that's when you're not like a PC gamer or anything like that, there really wasn't that much of a horror game in console gaming until then, you know? Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting at that point. Uh, they did have Tomb Raider, I believe. I forget some of the other ones, but yeah, like some of the early games, there was like Jet Moto, um, Twisted Metal, <clears throat> the Cool Borders series started out early on. We had Castlevania Symphony of the Night, um, which that one was kind of interesting in that, like from that point on, the, the, introduction of the PlayStation really pushed away from 2D side-scrolling games. Um, and 3D kind of took over, and that's where you saw like some of those early titles um, kind of really move away from that on the PlayStation, I think. Yep. It, for me, I don't know if it was... It was must be just the people I was surrounded by, I think. But like I just totally missed out on some games like that. Like Castlevania, didn't even know it existed on the PS1, you know? Well, I think you can attribute some of that to, I mean, the the fact that, you know, the PlayStation became an overwhelming success in that generation, but it took some time, because like you said, you still had these, like, heavy hitter, like, quality titles coming out, late releases on the, the Super Nintendo and the Genesis. I mean, the PlayStation might have come out in 95, but it was probably, what, 1997 before that was, like, a household name? Yeah, probably. So, I mean, I think by the time a lot of us got into it, I mean, a lot of these first-gen games we probably didn't really get to. No, I don't. I don't think so. No. Because even look at like Cool Borders. Cool Borders. Nobody bought that, right? I didn't know anybody that had Cool Borders. Cool Borders two, a year or two later, huge success. Twisted Metal. No, my my friends had that. 1080. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, you had friends who liked the N64. Yeah. So, yeah. I actually had an N64 before the PS1, so that. That's part of this too, it? I suppose. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think we got 64 just after I got a PlayStation. 
yeah, I never, I never had the 64. I remember I wanted the 64 as a kid, and this was, you know, that it came out later. And I remember being in Toys R Us with my dad, and there was a kiosk set up to play like Mario 64. And like, I, I can really clearly remember this. Like, I was playing it a little bit, and my dad's like, it's like, this looks like it's designed for like little kids. He's like, this is like a little kid's toy. It's like, <laughs> you don't want this. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess you're kind of right. Like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I never, I never did get a 64. And a year or two later, I got my, uh, PlayStation as a birthday gift. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that's kind of like a pivotal divide in that generation. <clears throat> um, depending on like the slight age gap, you know, people either went all in on PlayStation or you were that right age, you know, maybe like nine, 10, where you got the 64 and that is your favorite Nintendo system. And you love that thing. And, um, you know, there were some monumental games there. But I think uh, for that early teen, um, you know, like early 20s age, like the PlayStation really nailed it and, you know, kind of divided the camp um, in that generation. Yep. I mean, I guess what I'll say, like when I had both of the systems, if I went to the store to rent a game, it was usually N64 game. I don't know why. I guess that just appealed to me just a little bit more. Sure. But the when I had the PS1 and the games I was playing on PS1, I had very limited games, but I played those games a lot more than the N64 games. So it's it's kind of strange. Like, I think I missed out on a lot of PS1 games because I didn't just randomly rent a whole bunch ones of ones that I didn't really know. I stuck to, you know, series that I knew and ones that I really got into really deep. Whereas N64, I kind of played all the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so much of it yeah yeah i think um you know kind of one thing with that early iteration and early launch period of the playstation um and even the 64 to some extent was just like this was the first foray into 3d gaming being the norm um and there was a lot of growing pains in that generation a lot of really bad design a lot of really poor um, choices uh, from developers and struggles in making a quality product. Um, and number one, I think, in any 3D game in that era was control. And I think, you know, a big a big thing when you look back at the legacy of the PlayStation was halfway through that life cycle, they introduced something kind of revolutionary <clears throat> that slowly became the norm, and that was their introduction of the PlayStation DualShock controller. Uh, because when you first bought a PlayStation, the original controller was just a D-pad, four buttons, and the shoulder buttons. Um, but about halfway through the life of the PlayStation, they introduced the two DualShock um, vibration was one, but then the two thumbsticks, which really made controlling games that were optimized for it in a 3D environment um, that much smoother. You know, first-person shooters, racing games, all of that. And um, it eventually became the packaged controller when they rebranded it as the PlayStation x right the psx that it came bundled with with that dual shock i think which yeah. was kind of a huge thing when you look back on that in the history of gaming because that controller has survived to this day i mean yes we got a couple new weird additions in the ps4 controller but that has been a lasting controller um from that day forward yeah i mean it's it's even better than the later some of their later ones like a ps3 i'd rather have a ps1 controller dual shock than a ps3 <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the PS2, you know, well, it's it's basically the same controller. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that era is my favorite controller. And it was kind of interesting, like, they kind of put some games out after the fact. 
Like I know Resident Evil came out with a DualShock version after oh, the. Oh really? Yeah. So there's like two versions of Resident Evil, um, and it maybe maybe it works on the first one, but maybe that was just a whole marketing thing to put out a new edition. Say now with DualShock or whatever. I I guess yeah. I've never actually tested out on like the original to see if it actually doesn't work or not, but I guess there's yeah. no patches on PS1, so. I bet it doesn't, because, like, it has that button to turn it on or off, the analog. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I thought some of the earlier controllers had a little button to activate them. Yep. And if the yep. game supported it, it would do it then. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I, I, I was always, like, a big advocate of that. I bought that before it was the standard controller, and I bought Ape Escape, and I was just, like, blown away by the way they were in, able to incorporate that. And I would always, like, try to show it to friends and stuff. Because I was, like, one of the first people I knew, even though I got the PlayStation later, that had it. And I was always, like, trying to pitch it to my friends. And, like, to me, it was, like, such a clear breakthrough and innovation. And it just kind of took the rest of uh, the mainstream to get a little more used to it, I think. But, yeah, it really changed, you know, the whole experience and enjoyment with, with 3D games and made them much more uh, tolerable. Um, and once developers get the hang of how things should play, yeah, that was a huge thing. Yep. So like an ape escape, isn't it like you move the stick to the direction of wherever you want to swing the net? Yeah. Well, and then the, like that whole game is kind of centered around like gimmicks on like how to use the the dual stick or dual shock in in different scenarios. So yeah, I mean they it was basically like a tech demo um, of you know, but a solid game around it nonetheless. So there would be like tank sections or RC car sections. It was really a great you know introduction to that huh. and they even had like mini games like uh twin stick shooter of sorts i can't remember what the name was called but i used to play with my dad all the time it was like this top down single screen shooter and we would just call it like pigs in space because basically you were flying the spaceship and like pigs would fly at you um we would play <laughs> that for hours it was like super solid controls you know kind of a smash tv sort of control with the two sticks one to move oh, one sure. to aim really good hmm. and i think um you know, you could argue that, you know, the introduction of the DualShock kind of brought on this really polished, really good set of, like, later releases in the PlayStation's life cycle um, that really innovated, you know, not only what the first generation of the games had laid down uh, on the PlayStation, but just gaming in general. And it brought some franchises that have stuck around to this day. Yeah, for sure. I think most of my games that I really got into were the later releases, for sure. Uh, I think that's kind of when I got my PS1. I just don't remember exactly the year that I got mine, but it had to have been probably 97, 98, maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's probably about the time. That's about when uh, I got mine. Yeah. Um, I mean, my first big one that I really got into was obviously Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I think a lot of people <laughs> got into that one, as it's the best-selling game on the system. Yeah, well, it's kind of the game that won over, you know, North American audiences to RPGs. I mean, the marketing strategy behind that was huge. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I emulated like a lot of the NES games. I never played the Super Nintendo ones, so the and at that point, uh, and then Final Fantasy just blew the doors off me, you know, and that really kind of uh, sent me down the road of loving RPGs, and the PS One just was chock full of them yeah. a lot of good rpgs on that system um 
it just kind of brings me back to the days of where I used to be able to spend a ton of time in a in those games, even if they weren't bad. Or, I mean, even if they weren't that great, and I'm talking about Digimon World specifically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but putting a lot of hours into games like that and, you know, being able to have the time to do that, it's, it's something that I kind of miss. Yeah. Well, I think, like, that later lineup of games for the PlayStation, like, if you look at the first lineup, you know, the early games, like the Crash, the Twisted Metal, the Jet Moto, I think it's kind of important to note, too, like, at that time, like, this was the first time, like, a home console really was almost better than what you could get in the arcade. So they were, like, these quick, arcade feeling games, not, like, a ton of depth, but they were still kind of amazing. In this later lineup of games, towards the end of the PlayStation's life cycle, or once it was more established, where just kind of groundbreaking adventures, you know, like Final Fantasy VII. And for me, the one that I'll always love and, you know, pulled me in and kept me being a gamer to this day was the original Metal Gear Solid. <clears throat> you know, I was kind of at that age where I was in my mid-teens, and uh, I, I just didn't game that much anymore. It was still kind of in that era where that was still viewed as, like, a kid's toy, you know, gaming for the most part. The PlayStation did a huge, huge thing to, you know, the mainstream market to change that. But that game, Metal Gear Solid, um, completely changed what I thought a game could be. The controls were great in large part to that dual shot controller. The story was bonkers, but just so adult driven and had this amazing narrative and dark storyline and interesting characters. Um, and that was like, that was the game that made me realize that games aren't just novelties. Like they have depth. They're just as engaging and engrossing as, a great book or, you know, an epic movie. Uh, so that game alone just floored me. Yeah. I'm on the same page there. Like that game is the one that reinvented gaming for me. Um, between that one and, you know, Gran Turismo series basically carried me into the next systems. Yeah. Well, Gran Turismo, like, that was, like, almost the PC killer game of the time. Like, it looked so incredible on the home hardware that wasn't PC-based. I think I put the most hours out of any PS1 game. It was Gran Turismo 2, for sure. Yeah, great game. Just the that, lighting effects at the time yeah. were just fuck, just jaw-dropping. Yep. That, and then you could just rubber band the trigger <laughs> and just grab that circle track. Yep. on the wall <laughs> yeah basically farm money yeah yep yeah that game i mean that that drew me into a frenzy and that i think that game made me a ps playstation fan for life because like that's why i bought a ps2 was gran turismo 3 was right there you know like yeah i wanted that game specifically so i think that's the one that really nailed home like okay playstation is where it's at because yeah. nintendo and wasn't going to put out a game like that, you know? Right. Well, PlayStation was like such a great home for amazing racers. I mean, that's why I don't really play many racing games to this day is because I just burnt myself out on the original PlayStation. I mean, you had the need for speed series, like hot pursuit was amazing. You had R type, you had R type four, you had the Gran Turismo's. I mean, there was just endless numbers of fantastic racing games. Sled storm. I'd even throw in that. Um, it just was good. Yeah, it just adapted so well to that hardware, and it was so great. I bought Sledstorm kind of late, but it still played really well. Sledstorm also triggers the uh, onslaught of 
Dragula being in every licensed soundtrack in every game for the next three years <laughs> following that. Uh, to that point, just a little bit off topic, I did hear uh, a Rob Zombie song in a Disney trailer the other day. So, <laughs> From what movie? I think it was like Planes or something like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does anyone have any last closing thoughts uh did you guys ever have or know anyone that had the the small ps1 yeah the white one yep. i bought one as a gift for somebody i think it was really? like a girlfriend's sister because they were like what 50 bucks i mean this was like well after the playstation 2 is out right it might it might have got down there i remember when it came out it was like 99 which was incredible or something yeah that sounds right yeah, a friend of mine had it, and I, he actually ended up... I think he gave it to me. I should have it somewhere here. You want to sell it? <laughs> How much? $10? No, uh, yeah, I'll keep it. <laughs> I'll spoon you at MGC. <laughs> Deal. All right. <laughs> uh, now, how much... What would you give if you if you had the, the screen that goes with it, too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> spoon and a reach around, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of the big thing, wasn't it? it? Was like it had the screen attachment. It was really low price point, and then you could throw that thing into your car with an AC adapter and yeah, gaming uh, on the go. Yeah, I mean, who needs a switch? Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna dig out one of these, and I'll be good. Yep, take it wherever you go. I forgot they had a screen too attachment. Yeah. Well, that was kind and of another thing too. Like that really triggered like the first successful revision of the hardware. I mean, because a lot of people did buy that version, and then from then on out, that kind of became a staple in all generations going forward, except for yep. Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, not that they Nintendo did it with the original PlayStation or with the original NES and the Super Nintendo, but they were much smaller scale and further along in the life cycle. Which system had Legends of Dragoon? That was PlayStation. Great game. It was. Yeah. It's the only RPG I've really ever played a ton. And I loved that game. <laughs> All they had to do was add that button mechanic. You time your attack. Like, that was enough for, like, I feel like I'm playing a game. I'll do it. Really? Yep. It's it's that simple. Like, give me a button, I'm happy. Okay. Well, I, I have some suggestions for you after the show, then. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was not a fan of Legend of Dragoon, but... <laughs> huh. Yeah. That's the only RPG I've ever owned. Sure. I mean, I think that was... I mean, I think a lot of people did because that was like a Sony one. I think. Yeah, I mean, they had a big hype train behind that. Yeah, that was four discs too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so four or three four, at least. Yeah, yeah, and that was another thing. Like, I love that era where people were like, the marketing, like, oh, this is how many discs it is, because you know, I think Final Fantasy kind of kicked that off because it was like right off the bat, like seven had three and the others had four. Yeah. So I think like. A lot of companies looked at that and be like, oh, well, we need a, a fatter case and maybe that'll sell us more. Because there was a lot of games that were that came in that fat case, one disc. Right. Well, the first Gran Turismo is a great, great example yep. of that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, it's very true. Some dumb marketing gimmicks there, for sure. More case equals more value. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I Overall, I think like a lot of third-party video game companies, this was like their peak time, you know? You talk about Square, you talk about uh, Konami. I think a lot of Konami's good stuff was on PS1 as well. And 
it never really reached that after PS1 because I think PS2 was just kind of like oh, more of the same but a little bit nicer looking, right? You know? Yeah. Well, and the PlayStation marked the end of Nintendo's dominance in the home console market, you know, after a 10-year run of being on top, and they've never never regained that um, in its entirety. So it's kind of kind of incredible that um, you know, in the birth of the PlayStation, as a result of Nintendo's action, they created one of their own worst enemies. Right. And very quickly, they kind of not even competing with each other, you know, because yeah. they've segmented their customers out so much that you kind of know where you want to be on in that marketplace now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, great, great system. I think we all have, you know, uh, seminal memories in our gaming lives uh, you know around the playstation and I, i'm sure this is a topic that we'll be able to come back to um in future episodes but it, it's kind of cool just to look back and like remember you know when you saw that gray box for the first time and uh you know some of those early impressions it's yep great trip down memory lane so uh the real question here like a mini buy rent burn here on what the best madden game for <laughs> ps1 was <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Trick question. It was obviously NFL Fever. <laughs> Probably game day. Or or uh, what was that? Uh, triple play baseball. Oh yeah, was probably <laughs> going on a different sport there, but probably the best sports game. Yeah, I suppose that's another thing. Like the sports really went crazy on the PS One, right? Like yeah. Yeah. There was way too many of them. Yeah. It was almost like Sega Genesis levels of sports game. Probably worse. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, there was multiple companies making the same game, essentially. Yeah. Like, Annual over. installments yeah. from everyone. Yeah. And the best one, 989, showed up, so. <laughs> 989, the death of all things good on the PlayStation. <laughs> that it will be another episode. That will be a topic in itself. <laughs> but we will go through the laundry list of amazing titles that 989 ruined. <laughs> Catchy. Uh, I can still like hear that, though. Like, 989. Right? Yep. Studios. It's like burning the game. Your brain. Wait, that's yeah. a different one. <laughs> that's the I, I almost said that, too. Like, it's in the game kind of just, like, fits so, so well with that. It's probably the same voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, I think that wraps another interesting episode of weekend rental justin why don't you take us out all right so um you can find us on we got a website it's gonna be weekendpodcast.com uh you can also find us on facebook just look up weekend rental podcast uh you can follow us on there um, we're on twitter it's at weekend rental pc um we do have a youtube channel shows little clips and bits of our podcast here it's going to be the weekend rental podcast on youtube um email again weekend rental podcast at gmail.com um we are on itunes google play and stitcher and as always be kind rewind remember if it doesn't say micro machines it's